0: Mr. Squidward, welcome to the night shift.
1: And hello again, everybody, and welcome into the first uh MI6 program in the month of November that of course folks is the night shift on this Sunday November 1st 2020 as usual folks join the uh, join alongside here tonight by Isaiah Young from the Garage Studios up in Fremont California and our good buddy John Alcorn yours truly Cal McClure from the home studio in San Diego Isaiah as usual man thanks for uh staying up late of course here to uh, recap all the big news big plays big games of the day uh, on this Sunday in the first day of November, hopefully the time change hasn't really uh, knocked you for a good one yet. How's it going tonight, man? Good to see you.
2: Yeah, Callan, happy November to you and you too, John. Uh, you know, today hasn't really been the best of days because of what transpired with my San Francisco 49ers, a game that I thought uh, probably 80 to 20 that we would win this game. I even said that on the Halloween Spooktacular last night that, you know, I thought the Niners had a good chance of winning this game, and they just let me down again, man. And Jimmy Garoppolo, he looked like an absolute scrub out there today. Niners lost a bunch of in- pieces to injuries, and who knows how long they're going to be gone. Uh, so, those guys, like, we are truly the team that is the walking wounded. I mean – Everybody seems to be going down every week. Like, I I wouldn't be surprised if by the time, like, the final three games hit, we're down to, like, our third stringers or fourth stringers. That's just how this year has been. But, you know, Callan, overall, it's been great, man. Glad to start another month of programming here on the MI6 Sports Network. And I'm definitely looking forward to hopefully being elected of the king of sports debating
1: tomorrow night. We'll have more about that, folks, as our program uh, continues on today. And, of course, John Alcorn joining us from deep in the heart of Texas on this Sunday. John, good to see you, a uh, good friend, and uh, welcome back to the program. How are we doing tonight, man?
3: Uh, man, I'm just glad both of my teams won. And, like, a lot of people said I would have sunglasses here. But how about the Cowboys? Yeah, I don't want to hear nothing. No more. Years and over. Both of my teams won. And no, anybody that's watching, Kirk Cousins, with this game he did nothing with less than 170 pounds john cook four TDs. that's it
1: plenty again folks to get to and as a reminder again folks we want to first though at least at least, i would like to and i think i'm sure everyone else would agree here but again uh, thank you to everyone for again tuning in on saturday night for our halloween spectacular of uh, close to three hours of great stuff last night again we talked some college football talks NFL football but also again uh, came in costume and again hung out for a very good chunk of time last night. So again, a major thank you to all of our uh, viewers for joining us and remaining with us throughout, the, throughout the, the, uh, the portion of that two hour and 45 minute extravaganza last night. But again, we have plenty more great stuff planned as time does move on. But again, folks, as a reminder here about the night shift again coming your way every Tuesday, Saturday and Sunday night, and Sunday night, 10 o'clock Pacific time here to again recap all the big games Big plays and big news of the day, as you probably have uh, maybe missed or what else has gone on. We'll, of course, do our best to give you a Cliff Notes version of your sports. And, of course, folks will take your live input, questions, comments, concerns as our program does roll on here today. With that, Isaiah and John, the first game to kick off of kickoff week into the NFL schedule we'll get to today. The Steelers and Ravens in a battle for perhaps the top spot right now in the AFC North Division. But a great game, though. But it boils down, though, to turnovers killing Baltimore in this game, 28-24. The Steelers remain unbeaten and now 7-0 on the NFL campaign. You know, and John, I, I told this to my dad actually earlier tonight while we were watching the very dreadfully, painfully, brutally bad SNF game on NBC between Dallas and Philadelphia was when we, had, when we were watching the highlights of this, of this game between Baltimore and Pittsburgh, I kind of made maybe a bit of a damning revelation that my dad agreed with me was that it seems to me, John, Whenever the Ravens play a very good AFC opponent, for example, Kansas City or Pittsburgh, they seem to kind of crumple under the pressure of playing that other good or great team, as opposed to maybe playing a scrub team or someone that's not on their level, but that they seem to crack under the pressure of playing a very good ball club like a Pittsburgh, like a Kansas City or somewhere else along those lines. Uh, John, I think, the, I think more so, man, that the telling story of this game, though, is, from, is for one of straight week, they'll let the Steelers win a game very closely again uh, due to, again, the missed field goal last week by Steven Goskowski of Tennessee. And, of course, today it was more so the Ravens. More so, in my mind, the Ravens beat themselves in this game because of the turnovers of Lamar Jackson, the fumbles, the big injury too, to one of the big linemen as well. I believe it was uh, Stanley, I believe, Ronnie Stanley, I want to say, uh, rolling his ankle very severely, probably done for the season. I think more so, John, Pittsburgh, in my mind, is, did not win this game. Baltimore beat themselves in the game. As we have seen, though, a lot of times, though, recently against, you know, maybe the Chiefs or the Steelers. But, John, give us your thoughts. And perhaps, if, uh, if, uh, perhaps though, uh, maybe are you in agreement, though, that perhaps the Ravens seem to crack under that pressure of playing, you know, teams like, example, again, KC or Pittsburgh in a big-time game?
3: You're not wrong. Cleveland 38-6. to Houston, 33-16. goes with 26th ranked the worst defense in the NFL, 27-3. to Lamar Jackson and the past three games, four to these, the three picks. We see, folks, this is what people need. To get. The offensive line is the most important thing. The last two of them, Ronnie Staley is out for the year for the ankle injury. He just signed a five-year deal, $112 million. I said, in this game, he has to prove his pocket presence and his pocket awareness. It wasn't that Kevin Harris. Would hit the ball out from his hand. He just not have any pocket at all as a mobile quarterback. On top of that, yes, the, the Ravens did beat themselves. Lamar Jackson's been a turnover scene. He's frustrated. You can't do what you did last year, folks. This is the NFL. It's not Adam. We can adjust all the settings in the league. You're gonna have to adjust Lamar Jackson and Ravens team has not done it. I think this does hurt their chances of making the playoffs. Yes, Cleveland lost, it and all those other things That's not giving the Baltimore Ravens, more ammo. I was wrong about the Steelers. I had them, I guess, potentially missing the bounce because I was not too sure about how Big Ben could be healthy. But Donte' Johnson gets a couple of catches in there. Chase Claypool comes out of nowhere as a rookie. Juju Smith. just Carter gets a couple of rushes. The defense is there. And on top of that, the Pittsburgh Steelers get a starting linebacker for a fifth and low pick from the Jets. So it's now, I have almost all the pieces on defense. Mike Fitzpatrick's getting his job done Lamar Jackson, we see in these last couple of games, he's struggling with turnovers. And now without those two starting offensive linemen, how are you going to do it? If your identity is being a mobile quarterback, what do you have to do to get the offensive of a quarterback? The offensive line, now that they don't have that, Baltimore is going to completely struggle here. Lamar Jackson is a completion percentage in the last three games, 514 59.3, 46.4. He's never thrown for over 275 yards this season. He was going half to. And now, with them struggling, this is a lower chance of Des Bryant making active roster if he can make any difference at all. This is, I want to say, it in your arm, but they have missed the playoffs or get a spot or more, and they're a one day done team. There's a lot of questions that are happening in 2021 with a lot of teams hitting free agency or a lot of quarterbacks hitting free agency. This whole year, Lamar Jackson has been inconsistent as a passer, even with that offensive line, which I said he has to improve on. This is not, oh, we'll work on it when we get to the NFL. He's in the NFL, Callen and Isaiah. He's not getting it done. You see, in every single category, is inconsistency. When they beat, when they lost against Kansas City, they're saying, play a good team with you and your dad are saying, less than 100. Yards passing one TD. You see, beginning 275, 204, 97, 193, 180, 186, 208. He's like a girl I can't make up his mind when they where they want to go eat. You just can't be consistent. And if he can't be consistent now without his now that they're out, that's going to be a problem. A lot, not just the AFC, North, there's a lot of AC that I believe a couple of them that are getting the job done. If you can't do it against key AFC North opponents, then my question to y'all is, are we overvaluing the Baltimore Ravens? Because this we should not celebrate teams that are the more flashy, the more sexier. That's why the New England Patriots have done what they've done up until this point. They weren't the most flashy or the sexiest team, but they get the job done. And I think that's what we've done with Baltimore is, oh, they look flashy, look sexy. It's like they're like, oh, she's happy. But ultimately, it doesn't get the job done. You're not happy. Just like with Baltimore Ravens, they've been flashy. They've been exciting. Just because you're flashy and exciting does not mean that you get the job done off the field. consistency as the pastor this whole year, now it's going to be even worse, especially without the offensive line.
1: Isaiah, and again, folks, we apologize for maybe some of the tech problems that John's been kind of stuck in. Again, it would not be an MI6 show without someone having tech problems here tonight. But Isaiah... You know, I think though, John did make some good points though that we probably, I think, get very, you know, attention drawn to a club like a team, for example, like Baltimore. You know, with their flashiness and how they play the game. At the same time, though, like I've said though, it it just seems to me though that's that sadly for Baltimore, they've been good, maybe great in some, in, you know, in some spurts though, over the past several years though. But when the going gets tough though, against playing a tough ball club like the Chiefs or like the Steelers, for example. This club kind of in a way goes into a shell, it seems to me, though. But I think, but like I said, though, more so this game for me, I kind of feel like it's more about Pittsburgh not winning it, but Baltimore beating themselves again. Fumbles, interceptions, big blow again. Ronnie Stanley hurting his ankle uh, on the offensive line today and also having very thin running backs. But more so, this is about Baltimore, in my mind, beating themselves in a game, not with Pittsburgh winning it, but because they won this game because they were pretty much, in my mind, aided by terrible play by Baltimore's offense throughout the course of the day. But Isaiah, give us your thoughts here. As mentioned, the Steelers win uh, 28-24, now move to 7-0 on um, the season remaining. The NFL's only unbeaten ball club right now at this juncture of the season.
2: Well, guys, this is how you beat the Baltimore Ravens. You shut down the running game. You, you c- contain Lamar Jackson. You keep him in the pocket, and you make him... Throw the football when he has to throw the football. He is not a good quarterback. I would say he's a below average quarterback at throwing the football and the stats are would back me up. That's how you beat the Baltimore Ravens. And the Steelers, they have a great defensive line with T.J. Watt leading the charge. Their defensive line, they stopped the running game. They contained Lamar Jackson, made him stay in the pocket, and made him throw the football. And when he had to throw the football today, he was throwing interceptions left and right. It's going to be a big problem if Lamar Jackson cannot improve uh his passing skills because if he this is why i don't believe baltimore and lamar jackson will win a super bowl because you have to be able to throw the football at least average to be able to win a Super Bowl, and we've seen it in the past. You know, Baltimore lost to the Ravens. Why? Because they couldn't – because, the I mean, the Titans shut down the Ravens' running game, and they contained Lamar Jackson, which kept – it like they kept him in the pocket like the Steelers did today and made him throw the football, and he couldn't get it done. That's the recipe to beating the Baltimore Ravens, and that's the reason why I don't believe the Ravens are going to the Super Bowl this
3: year.
1: And, again, a fair observation, though, as to why, you know, maybe Baltimore – Baltimore probably appears to, be, to probably feels be a one you know be a one trick pony where again it's Lamar Jackson running the ball or being mobile or be using his legs though but as Isaiah said maybe teams already have that blueprint already out there probably KC Pittsburgh Tennessee probably has that blueprint this is how you beat these guys in regards to keeping Jackson in the pocket not letting him get outside or you know um, letting him run and if he's under pressure he escapes and keep him in the pocket you have a good chance of winning the ball game. But again, uh, Pittsburgh wins 28-24. But more so, in my mind, again, as mentioned, more so the Ravens beating themselves in this game more so than the um, Steelers actually winning the game. Casey agrees, though, fellas. He writes in to say that the Steelers and Ravens was uh, was a great game. Right and uh, right. And uh, he'd also have to say that the Steelers looked like not only the best AFC team, but maybe in the entire league, With still have a whole another half to play for the season. Uh, still have to beat uh, Casey, who could be a threat to Pittsburgh. But I think I would agree, though, that they look good for right now. Though it's still another half of the year to go. And also James Gonzalez writes in, shout out to the Steelers defense doing their job, and they just made a trade to get even better defensively. I mean, John was referring to that. But again, folks, again, we sadly once more again apologize for some of the tech problems we've been been, uh, having throughout the course of the uh, program so far. But again, it is Pittsburgh 28, Baltimore 24. To uh, conclude that uh, very good game in the AFC North Division. They'll have. Been, and by the way, folks, uh, actually, the, the uh, two of us, or three of us, we were actually talking about this before the show. The next game between Pittsburgh and Baltimore, Thanksgiving evening, following the Texans and Lions in the morning. And also, uh, should mention to you, Washington and Dallas as usual in the 1 afternoon time slot on Thanksgiving day, which will be followed up by Baltimore and Pittsburgh from Heinz from Field in the evening time slot on NBC. With that, Isaiah and John. Next game on the schedule here, a very, uh, very interesting game in Miami Gardens, Florida, but the Dolphins behind Tua Tagovailoa's NFL starting debut, knock off Jared Goff and the Rams, 28-17 in a ball game, fellows marred by the Rams having problems today, holding onto the football with strip sacks, fumbles, and also a punt return and a pick six in this ball game. John, it looked like it was a day, though, man, where everything for the Rams just went down south, and it and really, man, became a snowball effect where one thing went wrong, something else went wrong, and then what you know, something else would come up. Whereas as mentioned though, the Dolphins, I think, really stymied this very good LA offense and made this team look very one-dimensional. As I already mentioned, uh, uh, mentioned though. Ah, uh, John, you had a punt return. You had a pick six. You had a strip sack, fumble return for a touchdown. And like I said, though, it was like a giant avalanche, kind of in a way. You know, everything going downhill for the Rams in this ball game. And also, as mentioned, Tua only I think ninety plus passing yards had his first career passing touchdown in this game. But again, John, more so, this is probably a probably like another uh, Baltimore uh, situation in my mind, though, John. The Rams beating themselves in this game more than than the uh, Dolphins actually winning this ballgame. As mentioned, the Rams' offense very anemic today. Again, issues with interceptions, strip sacks, fumbles, picks, uh, punt returns. You name it, man. The whole kibosh going on. But uh, John, any reaction to ball, uh, to uh, the Dolphins knocking off a very good Rams ball club at home, twenty eight seventeen earlier on Sunday?
3: The Rams never get to, or for, I said they were them early on in the season. And then, of course, it would go downhill. Golf was never a franchise quarterback. Jirga was never a great quarterback. He got exposed by the Dolphins, defense, which made them look like an elite top five defense. So it's not, they're developing, they're getting the job done. To a when you have your first passing touchdown as a rookie, that's obviously something special. We have him right there. I think he could be doing something great. We usually, when we see left handed quarterbacks, it's obviously if and or buts. But the Rams were a fraughty. I said they, they're not as good as people think. And this ultimately has proved it. Calum, if you just look at if you just go beyond the numbers, look at the film from 2018, near the end of the 2018 season. Garrett Goff had what six touchdowns, seven picks. Goes to the Super Bowl, he freaks out. They have an elite defense for the offensive line. All the Todd Gurley and still can't get it done. Same thing last year, the man's. We're not seeing anything new from the Rams, people are in denial. It's like the badge in denial. The Rams aren't getting it done. This is nothing soccer. In my opinion, the Rams were nothing. They never were. And with how difficult that division is with what Arizona is doing, and with the body weight they, they have, there was no way they were going to make the playoffs or get good extra-lock spot. This is more about mainly a positive fight because it shows that Maybe for once, maybe an ex Patriots coordinator slash coach could have chance elsewhere. This is more to get about the Los Angeles Rams. I was never hot on. I said they're going to miss the playoffs. What the, what is the record right now? If I'm looking at, if I can look it up. They're they're pretty much. We can look it up. Five three. I don't know what people saw on the Rams. I was never sold on them. totally really get it done. And they all get it going. But the fact of the matter is, let's look at their schedule real quick before we go. They have Seattle. Oh, boy. The Bucks with that defense. 49ers. The Cardinals. Okay, Patriots and Jets. Doo-doo. Um Seattle again. And the Cardinals. So, at some point, I said they're going to get the moment on early. Girls are gonna go downhill, which is what they've done every single time. Jared Goff is never the guy. I think we keep trying, it's like a guy ranch and deny, or oh, I don't have a problem. No, this isn't the problem. Jared Goff is not the guy, but the Rams are screwed because they paid him so much money. I said Rams are a fraudulent team, they're not making the playoffs, and I still stand by that based on how difficult their schedule is the rest of the season.
1: Isaiah, you know, as mentioned though, man, this is probably another game though. I would say it was one team beating themselves, not the other team winning this ball game. As mentioned, the Rams had so many problems today and the the offense, but the offense man was just in my mind though, pretty much a, you know, the Rams offense was like that, that, that old beat up car you have and you try to start it and it would not start and you keep cranking the keys or whatnot. And then you finally call triple a or he called somebody to come jumpstart the engine but this engine never got jumpstarted because they kept beating themselves or shooting themselves in the foot with picks fumbles uh interceptions and also special teams gives up a punt return on top of all this other stuff going on today and as mentioned Tua Tagovailoa only has i think 90 plus passing yards has his first career t- uh passing touchdown, but Isaiah, I think it was more so as mentioned, the Dolphins not winning this game, but the Rams beating themselves in this game as mentioned so many self inflicted wounds. though, that you that that really became really tough to overcome though in this game, Isaiah, give us your thoughts here as mentioned as the uh, Dolphins win 28, 17 over the LA Rams from Miami gardens earlier on Sunday.
2: I want to address uh, my, one of my, one of our fellow Co-host here on the MI6 Sports Network, Mr. John Mathis, or Pastor uh or Judge Mathis, Pastor Mathis, Judge Mathis, like we call him. But John, what John was you know on Facebook ranting about how the Rams suck and you know Mm -hmm. how like they golf is trash and blah blah blah, all that stuff. John, I want to quote the great Aaron Rodgers. Relax, man. You guys are going to be fine. You guys aren't in the same predicament as my San Francisco 49ers. You guys are gonna be fine. The reason why I think the Rams are gonna be fine, and I think this was just a fluke, was because as I told my guy Furman Lee, shout out to you, Furman, by the way. Brian Flores, Brian Flores, the former Patriots defensive coordinator, now the head coach with the Miami Dolphins. He knows the secret recipe on defense to beating the Sean McVay, Kyle Shanahan, Matt LaFleur, Mike Shanahan offenses. He's had major success every time he goes up against LaFleur, Shanahan, McVay, or any Mike Shanahan disciples. He knows the secret recipe to being able to beat that offense. Just look what he did with the Niners. The Niners turned the ball over a couple of times, and then it just snowballed from there. Same thing today in the Rams game. The Rams turned the ball over a couple of times, and then it just snowballed from there. You guys are going to be fine. Y'all, y'all are going to bounce back next week. But for some reason, whenever whenever Brian Flores plays the Mike Shanahan and his disciples, he just always has them figured out. I don't know why, but... It, that's just what it is
1: it is what it is at the end of the day some comments guys first from our good buddy and of course executive producer of the mi6 sports and rick shareable steven wang shout out to my vikings with a huge win over the packers thank you to dalvin cook with those four touchdowns in the game james gonzalez guy says that tua did not do much today in the win just one passing td the credit goes to the dolphins defense and special teams again pick sixes uh, strip sack fumbles, fumble returns, uh, punt returns. Um, like I said, again, once more, but as a broken record, Dolphins do not win the game. The Rams beat themselves. As much as I said about the Ravens beating themselves earlier, James also says, best comment from this segment, the Rams served up all the flavors of turnovers, apple turnovers, cherry turnovers, etc. I agree. Uh, Casey King, our resident loyal Rams fan the damn, but it says damn the Rams offense went to sleep defense was not the problem today as they did their job but man oh man the offense looked like a bunch of Higgins out there but for some uh, reason the Rams have always had a uh, have tr- have had trouble with the Dolphins for years regardless of records 2 and 12 lifetime against the Dolphins are the Rams and uh, of course you don't see a lot of these matchups every so often as mentioned with it being an uh, interconference play. Uh, Also, real quick, uh, our buddy Angel writes in to say hello, everyone. Of course, Angel, thank you for being here as well as always, man. And also, Casey agrees, fellas, by saying yes, it was a bad game, but still another half of the year to go. Still can get it going. Not going to rule them out just yet, and a lot of football left to be played. Christy agrees with Isaiah. R-E-L-A-X, relax. I definitely agree. Uh, Chardol writes in to say that Jared Goff's mistakes doomed the Rams in the game, and definitely and not necessarily all of it, not necessarily on golf, but more so the offense as a whole today is what really killed the uh, what what killed the Rams in my mind today. And also, Angel agrees. Though the Dolphins beating the Rams was no fluke. The D is dangerous. Just ask San Francisco. Definitely agree. And Casey says one thing to remember: the Rams have owned both uh, both Arizona and Seattle going back to as early as 2014. They got to prove it by uh, prove it by beating the Rams, especially Arizona has to do that. So I definitely think that things could be better Uh, with that folks next game. But of course that means I get to sing because the chargers lose again, the chargers lose again, 60 years of losing the the chargers lose again, the chargers lose again, the chargers lose again, 60 years of losing the chargers lose again. And once again, folks, the chargers find a way to blow it once again. Drew Locke and the Broncos come back from 24-3 down to beat the Chargers at the final horn with a game-winning touchdown pass from Drew the Master Locke with one second left in regulation time. Denver 31, LA 30 from Empowerfield at mile high. John, we'll start with you, man. This, I believe, marks the fourth time in the past roughly four, five, or six years that the Chargers have blown leads of multiple, of multiple digits. Um, I uh, believe the stat line said that they had blown leads of 16 plus points in maybe four, five, or six games over the past several seasons. Of course, nobody starting off in Kansas City, um, uh, recently. But John, you know, uh, you being the resident Broncos fan here, man, probably one of the uh, hallmark. I would probably wouldn't say it's a you know major upset, but again, 24-3 though down in this game, they come back and win the game literally at the death, the final horn to win this game with that game-winning TD. Uh, John, we'll give you the floor, man. Give us your thoughts here as, the, again, the Broncos stunned the Chargers at the final buzzer, 31-30 from mile
3: high today. Chargers lose again, folks. And, and they were losing all those big point leads. Who was their quarterback? Like I talked about, P.S. Philip Rivers. Now you have Justin Herbert or Ricky Cooney, who as, he played decently well this year, so I think he could have a bright future with the Chargers. He could blow a lot more Lee's like than Phillip Rivers, but we'll see how that happens. I'm glad my team one. There was not a light at the end of the tunnel so far this year. First two games we played, terrible. I knew Drew Locke was out. The game against England, yeah, we won, but it was not a pretty game. Drew Locke had two interceptions. Of course, Drew Locke, I mean, obviously, he's had a small amount of starts. This is like his career game so far. He was going to have to show up students they have to, I think. If they can keep him protected and stop someone like Nick, I think will find him that shoulder will be a concern. So hopefully he can avoid getting hit. Marin Tech gets it on the defense, is it done. I'm glad my team won both teams won. I mean, I'm going to go with three TD. Obviously, he's going to have to work on that. But with getting back two times, so that's going to be a concern. Moving forward with him, I don't know be 100% on the shoulder. I'm just glad they won. And the Chargers lost, and that's what you get for Chris Harris going to the Chargers.
1: You know, Isaiah, I know I picked the Chargers in our group, pick them uh, to win this game. But at the same time, though, Isaiah, like I always say, though, man, my favorite NFL teams, for one, are the Chicago Bears, who I now live and die with. But also, I have 31 <laughs> favorite NFL teams, just not one. That happens to be the LA Chargers. So I applaud Denver, though, man, for this comeback. And honestly, you know, you think about, oh my goodness, you know, you think about 28 to three in the Super Bowl with the Falcons, now 24 three in the regular season. But though, Isaiah, this is nothing new though. If you are somehow, some way still living in San Diego and still backing this organization, you have seen this club just find, you know, more and more ludicrous ways to blow a lead. You could give the Chargers and the Falcons a 38 nothing lead to start a ball game, and they will still find a way to implode and give the game away. So we have seen so many times, though. But Isaiah, I do, though, man. I, I As much as we give you flack here about Drew Lock though, man, Drew the master lock coming through at the final buzzer with one second left on the clock. The game-winning touchdown pass, the game-winning PAT, the fight that breaks out afterwards, but also the memes of all the Charger players, you know, with hands, you know, with uh, the Patrick Stewart uh, face palm. Like I said on Twitter, though, Isaiah, love to see it
2: yes Callan you love to see it but before I get into this game I just gotta say Callan I think you actually have 30 teams that you love I think there's one team that you definitely got to take out and that is the 49ers because I think you should root for I think for your sake I think you should root for the Niners to lose every time so you can get my hilarious rant videos mid-game that I sent in our MI6 group chat but what, a, what I mean, Cal and John, what what can I say about this game? It's the Chargers being the Chargers. The Chargers choking games. Like, I mean, the Chargers choking games. Like it's a tradition down there in Los Angeles. I mean, the when the Chargers went or when the Broncos went down 24 to 3, Drew Locke was looking really, really bad. I kind of had still had a little bit of optimism about this game because I was like, yeah, it's I know it's twenty-four to three. I know that Drew Lock's not playing that well, but hey, the Chargers—they always choke games. So who knows? Maybe this one they could choke it again, choke it again, and voila, the Chargers choke it again. But before I get, like, before I get into the Broncos, though, I want to say this: Justin Herbert, my takeaway from this game, for the from the Chargers' perspective, is that he throws a very good deep ball. Like this guy, Absolutely. every time. Yeah, he every time this guy winds up and throws the deep, it is very accurate. It is on point. And, you know, it's not his fault that it's not complete. It's either his receivers drop it or, you know, the defender plays really good defense and knocks it away. So I just wanted to point that out. But, you know, the Broncos defense, you got to give credit to Vic Fangio They played very well considering the fact that the offense was absolutely putrid in that first half. Uh, They had what four drives in the first half. They couldn't, they only got one first down. It was terrible. Uh, They were on the field for a lot in that first half and to only give up 14 points, I believe in that first half was a job well done for the Denver Broncos. So credit to them. But I think the, Obviously, when you come back from twenty-four to three, there's a lot of turning points. One of the major turning points was Philip Lindsay's fifty-five-yard touchdown run in the third uh, in the third quarter. Yeah, that really woke up the Denver Broncos. They, after that, the Denver Broncos started stringing together some drives and putting together some great offensive possessions not like what they were doing in that first half and another turning point i felt like in this game was the bryce callahan interception in the end zone after drew lock threw an interception with about a 138 left the broncos were trailing 24 to 10 if the denver broncos do not get that interception by bryce callahan this is a loss for the denver broncos because Denver uh or the chargers would have kicked the field goal to make it 27 to 10 and the broncos I don't believe would have been able to come back in that game. So Bryce Callan, gotta give you a lot of love and You know, another big game changer was a third and 16 play when the Broncos were down 24 to 10, when Drew Locke hit uh, Jerry Judy for 29 yards. You know, that was a big one right there. The Broncos needed that. Um, And, you know, to John's point, I completely agree with him. Drew Locke is a very good quarterback whenever you give him time to throw the football. When you give him time, he can absolutely sling that pigskin. And we saw that today. you got to give credit all phases of the Denver Broncos offense defense special teams they all played a major part in the Broncos comeback
1: Isaiah I have 31 favorite teams in the NFL that includes San Francisco that the Super Bowl loss that happened here I wasn't I was barely maybe seven months old for it so I don't remember the game and I have family that are Niners fans that live here in San Diego so I have 31 favorite teams just not the LA Chargers I technically I do have 31 because it's uh, because the only team I won't root for is Green Bay because the rivalry was Chicago. So take out the rest of the NFC North. But if they play the Chargers, then I'm rooting for them to beat the Chargers. Isaiah, what do you got for us?
2: I also have to add one more thing about the Broncos that I forgot to add uh, on my original take, and that is, listen, fellas, the Denver Broncos are coming. Drew Locke and the Denver Broncos are coming. This team, this was a must-needed win. This was a much-needed win to help revitalize their postseason hopes. I mean, look at their next three games. They have three very winnable games. You got at the Falcons. Falcons suck. At the Raiders. Uh, Raiders, pretty good, but still winnable and Broncos and Raiders have played very close games over the years and then versus the Miami Dolphins who are starting to Tungo by law so hey if the Denver Broncos can somehow some way go 3 and 0 or even 2 and 1 in this next three game stretch they are going. I think they're going to go to the playoffs to be honest with you guys
1: we'll see what uh, transpires some thoughts are you guys about the Chargers once again imploding self-destructing Casey King, how about the renters losing again and only the renters can blow a big lead like that? Definitely. Uh, it's been in their DNA. I mean, I have I used to sit through them blowing leads to Peyton Manning and the in the Broncos and the Texans on opening night when they were in San Diego, you know, 23-3, 24-0 and still can't find a way to win the game. Christy Wilson, the Chargers choke worse than the Falcons. They play each other in a couple of weeks. Lord knows what's going to happen in that game at this juncture. Uh, James Gonzalez with a very great point, fellas. The Chargers and Falcons are just the are just like the two Spider Mans pointing at each other internet meme. Yes, they are. Uh, also, Casey says, do not be surprised, boys. If Andy Lynn is uh, on the hot seat, he finishes the season, but he will not would not be surprised though if he is out the door at the end of the year. Definitely could see that being a possibility uh, with how in fact they've you know how this franchise has just been stuck in the mud post leaving San Diego in 2000. And sixteen, Angel definitely agrees. Okay, you know the drill. Chargers big lead blown, uh, blow lead by stupidity, end up losing the game. Let's uh, let's play Monopoly. I'll be the car. Uh, that's if, <laughs> i uh, That's usually my go-to. That or I'm the little bag of money. That is uh, if I play Monopoly. Monopoly. Uh, Angel also says when the Chargers lose, San Diego yeah. wins. Uh, I'll take all the wins with the Chargers losing. Uh, James says as a Raider fan. Was hoping the game would have gone into OT and they would have tied. That is what
3: it
1: is. John's saying no. Go ahead and uh, respond, John. We'll let you have the floor here for a sec.
3: Um, Anthony Lynn should have been gone a long time ago with that roster and nothing happens and Phillip restores the quarterback. He should have been gone a long, long time ago. And No, I don't want it to be I Don't confess that negative step in here.
1: also real quick angel says next week versus vegas the chargers will be up by one point with herbert taking a knee but didn't know he was in the end zone um and it will be a safety the raiders win the game by one and honestly that sounds like a way the chargers would lose a game taking a knee up by a point and it's in the end zone for a safety and the raiders win the game that way that would be probably as, as brutal of a charger loss as the Holy Roller game back in '78, uh, I want to say, or '79 or '80, I want to say, when Ken Stabler, Ken the Snake Stabler, fumbled that ball forward, and Dave Casper, I think, jumped on the end, jumped on it in the end to win the game over the Chargers at then Jack Murphy Stadium here in San Diego. Casey says uh, he agrees, though, with Isaiah that he's a good quarterback, but would not be surprised if Herbert leaves the Chargers down the road and goes elsewhere. The Chargers have been known for that uh, notoriously in their franchise history. I want him in Chicago, and I want him in San Francisco. I want him in Chicago. Uh, I agree. Angel says, uh, I was the only one in in his family that rooted for the Niners in the Super Bowl that year versus the Chargers when living here in San Diego and Chula Vista. For one night, I was the family public enemy, number one, laughing out loud. But (laughs) hey, stuff like that does happen. Uh, With that in mind, guys, the last game of the day we'll get to here, of course, the Niners and (laughs) the Stocks from CenturyLink Field. However, (laughs) folks, we will first show you Isaiah, what this folks is what happens when Isaiah gets pissed off at his football team when they don't play well. Here's a little piece of what goes on in our group chats throughout the course of a typical NFL Sunday, especially if the Niners are playing on television.
2: Come on, Jimmy. We gotta get this first down. Hasty's open! Hasty! Oh my god, you take a damn sack! It was wide open! Are you far?
1: And that, folks, sums up the day at the office for Niners as the Seahawks win at home pretty easily. 37-27 over San Francisco from Central Link Field in Seattle, Washington. Tonight, of course, the Seahawks bounce back after a very, very heartbreaking overtime loss to Arizona last week. Well, Isaiah, we'll give you the floor, buddy. What do you got?
2: <laughs> First up... I don't know where to begin, Cal and John. I, I really don't know. Um, Furman Lee, if you're in this stream, please get in this stream because we need to completely rip that incompetent quarterback, Jimmy Garoppolo. I actually had a good morning this morning. I made some – this is what I had for breakfast, ladies and gentlemen, or lunch. Oh, gosh. I had – Fry or roasted. It's, it's roasted. It was like roasted chicken wings, but it was supposed to implicate roasted sea chickens. It was supposed to be what my San Francisco 49ers were going to do to those damn Seattle sea chickens this afternoon. I even posted on Facebook with the caption, Thanksgiving has come early, y'all. We are having roasted sea chickens today. Uh, for our Thanksgiving feast, come on by if you guys want. And the Niners, that was- they just didn't show up, man. They just didn't show up. I want to clarify, by the way, that play, that, that video that Callen just showed you guys, that was my reaction to, I think it was the third quarter, when it was the final drive for Jimmy Garoppolo in the third quarter. The Niners were down like 20-7 to seven at that point. The game was pretty much over. But – It was third and two. Come on, Jimmy. We gotta get this first down. Hasty's open! Hasty! Oh my god, you take a damn sack. It was wide open, are you far? That was third and two. The 49ers are at their own. 35 yard line. Jimmy Garoppolo has Jamichael Hasty wide open, like four yards away. He looks directly at Jamichael Hasty. He's looking at him. He's He's watching him, and he doesn't throw him the damn ball and instead takes the sack. That's why I was so frustrated. The thing about Jimmy is that he tries to go for the home run. You don't need the home run. It's third and two. Get the three yards in the first down and move the chains and continue the drive, but instead you get sacked, and we have to punt it away, and the next play later, Dante Pettis fumbles the damn uh, punt. Or kickoff or whatever, and the and, and the Seahawks recover it, and Russell Wilson and Cole scores a touchdown. Like I am just so sick right now. Jimmy Garoppolo, his time in San Francisco needs to be done. I mean, this guy. Like I know John is a huge Jimmy Garoppolo defender, but. When you shut down the 49ers' running game, the 49ers are exposed as a trash team. When you have to rely on Jimmy Garoppolo to throw the ball 40, 50 times because the running game is not working like it did, like it didn't today, that's the result that you are going to get. Garoppolo had Kittle open. He he overthrew Kittle or threw it to the left of him. Uh, he had like Kittle on a crossing route again. What does he do? He throws it to the right of Kittle for an interception. It was pathetic all game long. Jimmy Garoppolo, as far as I'm concerned, the 49ers, they need to get rid of him because this guy will not win you a Super Bowl. He might beat, like get you to beat the Rams or the Patriots, but he's not going to get you to beat the Seahawks, the Packers, the Saints. And also, I want to say this, Dante Pettis. He has been an embattled wide receiver for the San Francisco 49ers. I believe this was the first game that Dante Pettis actually suited up for the 49ers after being on the, like, after being inactive the first five games of the season because Kyle Shanahan doesn't like the fact that he fumbled. And what does he do the first time he comes on the field? He fumbles the punt. He fumbles the punt and the Seahawks recover. Dante Pettis, I've been a big fan of yours for a long time. I've been a believer in you ever – like, even though a lot of people, they want you out of town. But today, that was the last straw. Dante Pettis cannot hang on to the football. Dante Pettis needs to be cut. I mean, the 49ers, they should have cut him two hours after the game ended. I'm surprised that he's still on the roster, but the guy needs to be cut. He It's a waste of a roster spot right now. And also the defense, man, there was just no pass rush on Russell Wilson. I mean, the, like, we couldn't get any pass rush on him. Russell Wilson was getting like six, seven, eight seconds to throw the football. He was carving us up. Our run defense was awful. We let some fourth stringer named DJ Dallas. I literally have never heard of him in my entire life. He ran for two touchdowns and completely bodozed us today. It was an embarrassing effort. All around, Jimmy Garoppolo's time in San Francisco needs to be up. Kyle Shanahan, if you're listening to the podcast right now, I know that Nick Mullins, he has his limits. But if you want to keep, if you want to win or keep winning, or yeah, if you want to win, start. Nick Mullins instead of a hampered Jimmy Garoppolo, who every time he steps on the football, you know damn well he's going to either overthrow receivers, he's going to like throw it to the left of the guy when the guy's on the right, he's going to make the wrong decision every time, I'm just so sick of it, I'm fed up, it is Nick Mullins time, bring me Nick Mullins.
1: We're going to assume it's safe to welcome in our, uh, the fourth member of our team tonight and fellow Niners fan, our buddy Furman Lee, joining us as well here on the stream, of course, on the night shift. Uh, Furman, I-, I know that you probably do not want to come onto the stream, though, but as mentioned, uh, Isaiah uh, ranting and raving about the Niners losing in pretty rough fashion. As mentioned, buddy, Thirty-seven twenty-seven, San Francisco falters to Seattle from Central Link Field. Uh, Furman, let's get your uh, your thoughts here as mentioned more so today uh, with this game. As uh, mentioned again, folks, Seattle wins 37-27 over the uh, Niners. But, you know, again, Furman, it just seems to be, it, Furman, again, to me though, just seems to, seems to be that the Niners, they're not like, to me, it, it looks like they don't really want to commit to a quarterback at this rate in regards to, you know, so much uncertainty about how things have been uh, right now, with uh, with Garoppolo, more so with his health, because I think yet he has been pretty much playing on one leg all year. He's like since that ankle injury he had back in week two, week three of the season, and also of course Mullins has his limitations, as Isaiah said though. But that Garoppolo's that Garoppolo's help in my uh, health, in my mind, should be a paramount proportions right now, because now you're talking about him leaving two games now, maybe three games now, and also you're also talking about uh previous injuries gonna he had the ripped ACL a couple years ago or maybe last season and he have been going through CJ Bether and guys like that. Furman, give us your thoughts here, buddy, if you can hear us. Uh maybe more so about the Niners losing to Seattle in probably very rough fashion on Sunday from essentially field in Seattle.
0: Hey guys, uh you know, I don't really want to come onto this uh show tonight, but I really have to let it all out like Isaiah did during the game, um, because you know, I'm only gonna be here to speak on the 49ers because I'm just so frustrated and I'm so disappointed at how the entire season has turned out ever since our crazy Super Bowl run last year. And you t- you, sp- you spoke a lot about how uh, the 49ers organization they just have a lot of uh, trust issues. They don't know who to rely on. They don't really know who is their main, um, you know, their main uh, manager and their main piece to really work with on offense and it's just all collapsing in on them and let me tell you this i know the exact reason why we have trust issues within this 49ers organization regardless of this game today against the seahawks it all started in 2017 when we gave jimmy garoppolo 27 million dollars a year and signed him to the biggest quarterback contract in NFL history at that time, when he only played five games with us and went 5-0 as a player with the 49ers. He has shown nothing more than just a backup quarterback being traded and coming out and performing really well in quite possibly a fluke season. You never know what's going to happen to any quarterback that just comes in and plays half a season for you. You don't know how their potential is going to develop as a starter by just... If they're just going to play five games and prove little to you otherwise. So I've been the biggest Jimmy G fan ever since he's balled out in New England. I'm just going to have to put this out there just in case you guys think I'm crazy. So, But but let me tell you this. the uh, The Jimmy G quarterback we saw in New England and his first year with the 49ers is not the same as the Jimmy G we saw in 2019 or this year. John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan gave Jimmy Jimmy G the biggest contract ever in just five good games, and now we think he's like the next Tom Brady or Joe Montana, trying to take over our organization. You know, as the best offensive player, he is. But now, like, look at look in the future. Now we are stuck with an overpaid and inconsistent quarterback who is just going to keep letting us down every single week. Like last year, let's just admit it. He did not have his best season last year. He got carried in the playoffs literally by the running backs who carry the ball. Like he only passed the ball 8 times in the NFC Championship against the Packers. And in the Super Bowl against Patrick Mahomes when he actually had to come back and you know administer some really good drives, he overthrew receivers. He did not make good reads. He threw a pick to end the game. And this is just getting more and more frustrating every season and this year is it's really starting to show. And this is why I hate being a 49ers fan. I don't even want to talk about his performance this week against Seattle cuz it's all been it's all been the same thing recycled over and over. He's just had he is just not a good quarterback and he is not our starter. As a 49ers fan, I just hate I just hate our fan base in general because we are so divided and delusional. There are actually people who still think it's Kyle Shanahan's fault with bad play calling or whatever, you know, that's bringing our offense down. Look, you're not going to have a good run game every week when you're playing against teams that know how to stop the run. Seattle's probably the worst defense in the NFL, but at least they, they knew how to stop our game plan, they stopped the run, and now it's up to the quarterback to make their own plays, to to help, you know, even if Kyle Shanahan calls good passing plays, it's, it's up to you to, to make those plays happen in the first place. So Isaiah already gave a really good example of, you know, Garoppolo under throw, or throwing behind Kittle and also, Uh, missing Jamichael Hasty before taking a sack. I'm just going to bring this back to 3rd and 13 in the second quarter when Trent Taylor, Kyle Shanahan, on 3rd and 13, set up Trent Taylor on a slant route, and he was wide open. He He was immediately open on this play, and Kyle Shanahan set it up so that all their other receivers in front of Trent Taylor would block for him, and he would have wide open space for a first down. What did Jimmy G do? He just stood there in the pocket for five, three, four, five seconds, and acted like Trent Taylor wasn't even trying to run his route, and he just took the sack instead of instead of throwing the ball to him. This is not the Jimmy G we expected to see uh, against Seattle. We usually think we usually we usually see him as a really good short and intermediate passer, making really good decisions on the fly. But he's not the same quarterback anymore. And to be quite frank, I think. His injury today when he reaggravated his ankle is probably just an excuse to get away from the game. I don't think the ankle has anything to do with his actual performance. He needs to really step it up if he wants to be a starting quarterback. But as like I said, I've been the biggest Jimmy G fan, but I think I've had enough of him. Look what Nick Mullins did today. Like we need to start Nick Mullins ASAP if I'm Kyle Shanahan. Look what oh. he did in the fourth quarter against Seattle. He was on pace for a thousand passing yards. If he actually played a full game, imagine that. I know it was garbage time, and Seattle didn't really have any pressures to, you know, give up their huge lead. But but Nick Mullins passed for 250 yards and had three touchdowns in three drives. When Jimmy G played literally three quarters with the complete offense under Kyle Shanahan, and did not even put up more than 100 yards passing. This is just straight up embarrassing. And Nick Mullins. If you guys are Nick Bowen's haters, I know a lot of 49ers fans hate him so much. I don't know why. It's just it doesn't make any sense. If you look at his highlights today, he threw so many dimes. These were literally passes you expect to see from a starting quarter NFL quarterback. This is something Jimmy G can't even do at any game, like especially today against Seattle. And if you're going to talk about how Seattle was laid back, watch the film again. Because in the fourth quarter, Seattle blitzed Nick Bowen's in a lot of occasions and he got blasted but look what nick mullins did he got rid of the ball fast regardless of the blitz unlike jimmy g it's the same type of play but he got rid of the but the difference is that jim that nick mullins got rid of the ball faster and he connected with these receivers right on time why can't jimmy g do do this it doesn't make any sense and it also doesn't make sense that nick mullins is not our starting quarterback right now Yes, he might not be the perfect quarterback because of that game against the Eagles, but it was literally just one bad game he had. And if you think about the future, I think if you want the 49ers to really, you know, go up in this NFC West race, and if you're playing Green Bay in just four days, if you're Kyle Shanahan, I'm I'm on my knees right now. Please, Kyle, just start Nick Mullins. You need to be smart about this. Forget about the media and forget about all the delusional fans because what happened today was obvious. It was not – there's no excuses for injury like Jimmy G. Like Russell Wilson played an entire season on an injured ankle. So Jimmy G, he has no excuse, you know, to bring up that injury for that. You have to play better, and you've shown quite enough that you can't. So Nick Mullins, please, you need to be the starter on Thursday. I guarantee this is going to make our season better if any of you 49ers fans are watching. Nick, His game against the Eagles was just one bad game. But trust me, Nick Mullins will have – a bounce bounce back game against Green Bay. And he is going to be our answer for this season, at least if we're not going to pursue another quarterback. John,
1: I do think that some valid points were brought up though, in the course of this uh, segment here again, folks, the Niners getting a beat by the Seahawks in Seattle, 37, 27, as mentioned, maybe. uh, And I think John, it's probably, I think at this rate in my mind between Chicago and San Francisco, Quarterback controversy now rolls the roost for both these clubs on offense between Chicago having their problems. We'll talk about them in a moment. More so John, but more so, John, I think the Niners probably have maybe the, the worst one of the quarterback carousels right now in the NFL because so much uncertainty, though, about you know Garoppolo being the guy, Mullins the guy, C.J. Beathard being the guy, even during a the, during the stretch of the season. But I do think, though, that it's probably, John, maybe a long-shot thought here, but again, Furman voicing his, uh, his opinion here that maybe the ankle relapsing or the ankle aggravation could be legit, but could be just the way that they wanted to take uh, Garoppolo out of his ballgame saying, hey, he's hurt. You know, maybe it's probably not the full story. At the same time, though, San Francisco and Chicago are both knee deep right now, maybe waist deep probably with quarterback issues right now. Between Chicago having their issues, the Niners probably have the worst one out of the two ball clubs right now. Uh, John, give us your thoughts here. As mentioned, Seattle wins this game pretty handily, I'd say, and pretty much with ease. 37-27 Seahawks over the Niners from CenturyLink Field in Seattle on Sunday evening.
3: First so of all, for me, Jimmy Garoppolo did nothing last year. Clearly, you have a dead reach almost 4,000 yards and a copy passing touchdowns. Only 13 interceptions. I would not think the angle injury is an excuse. You have to play 100% better. But it's so easy just to hate on only Jimmy Garoppolo. With all the injuries they have in both sides, of the ball, you really think that many injuries that um Nick Mullins is going to do in different how the last is what I said with how was the contract set it doesn't work fine, restart to the year, and you don't lose any money or actually any at all. So it's a small contract because if it doesn't work out in two, three to four years, like you can see this example right now, boom, you can release them and then you can look for a new quarterback. But to see that. Obviously, yes. There's over he 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 shouldn't have made. Yes, Russell Wilson played on an injured ankle. There's no, I don't believe that's an excuse. But with injury-riddled team, whoever's starting is for their receivers. It's funny how when it goes wrong and there's always injuries. It's fault. Yes, there are some throws that he needs to make. There are some things he needs to do. I can't stand that stupidity at him being a quarterback, but. It's so easy when it's going wrong, it's all Garoppolo's fault. Again, some of it, yes, it is his fault. I'm not saying he's blameless. He's not. But when it all goes wrong, all Garoppolo doesn't do this or do that. But if Nick Mullins does that, it's just a totally different story. It's so easy to get on the hate train of Jimmy Garoppolo. His birds are starting last year an ACL tear. Fine find last year, we don't talk about the past. But I don't think it is completely his fault. Didn't they lose George Kittle earlier in the game? Yes, they did. Didn't they not have Debo Samuel, who they didn't have Jeff Wilson. They didn't have all these guys. Also, he needs those. Yes, we're not disagreeing on that. But with that many on the offense and the Samuels, with Favre Warner, and your start, there's your best guy on defense is Jason Barrett having a good year, and you're gonna blame it all on Rallo being his fault. Oh. We know last year. I don't know. How you can go, but last year. But I don't think just wait. I say wait until next year, and if you don't get confident right before the or free agency, then you, yes, release them and you are little to no dead money at all. But I think it bothers me when it is so easy to buy or to put It's all on Garoppolo. Made some bad, wise well, got I mean, really bad throws. But if it goes right. Oh, it's a run back. It's the receivers doing their job. They not need him to throw for three to 400 yards a game. Because if they did, it would be a different type of offense and a different type of contract. If it doesn't work, release him after the year. You don't cur a lot of money at all.
1: So, again, folks, San Francisco faltering to Seattle 37-27. As mentioned already, Uh plenty of issues going around. Again, quarterback controversy, offensive woes, uh, injuries, injuries. Uh, Isaiah, we'll kind of give you a chance here to probably talk more about the injury bug. But, man, you know, I said this as well probably before the show tonight, fellas, but Isaiah, more so with you. I don't think I've seen a ball club in the NFL this year be so ravaged by injuries as much as San Francisco has been snake bitten, you know, throughout the course of this season. Again, Garoppolo earlier in the year, George Kittle, uh, you know, uh, Raheem Morset being hurt. You know, but it, it seems to me, though, that like with every passing game the Niners have played, there's been one, maybe two big injuries to key components of their roster. Isaiah, probably in your recent memory, have you ever seen a Niners ball club be this decimated by injuries in recent memory? Well, they've been they've been decimated by injuries
2: for the last, like, three, four years, ever since the firing of Jim Harbaugh. I mean, I think the 49ers are, like, cursed, to be honest with you, because, like, literally after Harbaugh was fired – Jim Tom Sula gets hired, and that year we had, like, a ton of injuries. Uh, Chip Kelly, he gets hired right after Tom Sula gets one and done. The, the Niners are riddled by injury. And then Shanahan, like, he gets hired, and the theme of his tenure thus far in San Francisco is injury, injury, and injury. The Niners have been riddled by injury ever since Harbaugh got fired. Um, I don't know. Like, maybe there's some, like, bad omen around this team. Who knows? But – Every single game, it's like we lose like three, four, five playmakers. Like last week, I think we lost Debo Samuel after he came, like right after he came back from, uh, I believe it was like a foot fracture or something like that. I might be wrong on that, but and then today in garbage time, uh, when uh, Nick Mullins comes in, he throws a beautiful. Dime to George Kittle. George Kittle makes the catch, tumbles over, and he hurts his foot. And now he's going out for an MRI. So every single game, it's just like we have like six major injuries. And it's just so frustrating because Kyle Shanahan is honestly one of the best minds in the NFL when it comes to offense. And he hasn't had a complete roster to work with for the past like ever since he's been here in San Francisco because every single game he's like missing eight of his top offensive contributors and or defensive contributors. Uh, it's just so frustrating, man. Um, honestly, like I know we're going to, we're about to get Richard Sherman, D Ford and others back by week 12, but like why would you even bring them back if the, the season is over by then? Like I, cause the Niners right now, they've got green Bay, uh, Thursday night football. We don't know who's going to be starting quarterback for that game. Uh, with how the Niners defense played today against Russell Wilson, not even pressuring him at all, like, or not pressuring him that much. You can't afford to do that against Aaron Rodgers. Uh, if you want to win that one. And then you got the Saints. I think that that game will be a loss as well. It's in New Orleans. you got the Bills. The Bills, I could see them winning that game, but – Right now, I don't want to cancel the season on the 49ers because I did that once, like in week five when they lost to the Dolphins. But right now, the Niners season is grim. That's all I'm going to say. It's it's grim right now. Um, it's not looking likely at all that we're going to make the playoffs. Uh, I, I think our NFC West chances came and gone goodbye today. So it's just looking very grim right now for the 49ers.
1: Isaiah, you're, the season's been canceled since week five. You can't retract your statement. It's been canceled for you since then. So no, no take backs, no escape, slander. So you can't go back on your words. Uh, guys, plenty of thoughts here about the game and also as well uh the reaction to the video that we played for you of Isaiah reacting to the sack we'll play it one more time for you here come on
2: Jimmy we got to get this first down hasty's open hasty oh my god you take a damn sack it was wide open are you far
1: Christy Wilson reacted to that video by saying that would be me every time Tony Roma would get sacked I would get so mad that was uh Uh, Me with uh, my quarterback in overtime. We'll get to that game a little bit uh, pretty soon here at this time. Uh, Also, Angel writes in to say, if my niece wasn't asleep, I would have let my 49ers have it today as well. James also told Isaiah to let it out, buddy. You're in a safe place. Ha, ha, ha. And also, Chris, (laughs) you wanted to say, Phil loves Tony Romo regardless. Uh, Angel says, uh, I still think that the Niners will win on Thursday night versus Green Bay, but if they play like they did today, They'll be lucky to make the postseason. Definitely agree. Uh, I know I think playoffs? I
2: Playoffs?
1: No, talk playoffs? about playoffs. Playoffs?
2: I am hoping we can even win a game. Are you kidding me? Playoffs?
1: Another game. Casey, <laughs> Casey King says, Well, I'll admit I have the Seahawks finishing in fourth in the uh, in a tough division this year, but once again, they don't seem to go away. And at the moment, yes, at the moment, they are likely to be uh, the likely team to beat in the NFC West, and you can never roll out a team with Pete Carroll... As a coach, but like I said, still another half to go. It's silly that Seattle will make the postseason. I definitely think they're going to make the postseason as well. James says, instead of sea chickens laying an aid, San Francisco laid the egg today. Definitely agree. Angel says, um, I wonder if Al Bundy uh, is available. Uh, the Niners could use him as their quarterback. I think a lot of other uh, quarterbacks could be used from uh, football films as well, in my mind. Uh, also, James Gonzalez says... Looks like the Niners are back to square one with their quarterback situation. Definitely agree. Um, also, as well, Angel says the Seahawks are that good, plain and simple. Case closed. And also, James says, how much is Jimmy G getting paid? Asking for a friend. I believe Firm said 25 or $27 million. Ouch. That's a tough one. That's a very rough way to go down in flames there also real quick. Uh, some more thoughts here. We have Isaiah writing in a comment. John and Cowan would have made the right decision on the? Jamichael Hasty play that I got so upset about. In regards to running the ball in that play and not throwing the football, I probably would have as well. Um, Let's see what we got here going on. Some more comments, guys. Uh, Sorry to keep you folks kind of on hold here. Uh, Angel also says, Niner's still my team, but got to give credit to Seattle for winning the game. Absolutely better team won the game. Angel says, "Yes, I don't get it either." Mullen should get a shot and take away the two turnovers, and he was perfect versus Philadelphia when both those clubs played with pretty much practice squad players on the board and on the rosters. Casey says, "Definitely not a Niners fan, but I got to get, uh, but I get a kick out of some of the fan base when I saw some uh, Niners fan friends of his posting to tank for Lawrence. Hey, it's bad, oh but not. It's it, it's bad." But, my goodness, it's not that bad, people. Off the ledge, please. Get off the ledge. On, uh, we're, not, we're, we're not going that far at this rate. Please do not. We're not, not Jets bad. We're not Jets bad. Thank goodness. A tank, uh, Angel also says, tanking is my biggest pet peeves in sports. I think a lot of people definitely could go that route as well. Christy says, plain and simple, the curse of Jim Harbaugh is what is dooming the Niners organization right now. Angel further says, um, the Niners used to have the minus touch, when it came to QBs to take away Jimmy G and Kaepernick, and the Niners have been a revolving door at the quarterback spot. That's definitely a very, very uh, good assumption there. And also that leads us to the question: Which quarterback carousel is worse right now, the Niners or the Bears? Let us know. We'll, know. we'll have those thoughts, folks, as the time goes on here. Also, as well, uh, real quick, um, Casey has one. Uh, Casey has one other good quarterback post the uh, Steve Young era: Jeff Garcia. Maybe the last notable good quarterback for the Niners post the uh, 90s era. And also, Christy says, Isaiah with his best Jim Mora impersonation. We'll have to add that clip to the stream yard here at this time. And also, Angel says, oh yeah, he was good, uh, good then, he, then, he let, uh, then they let Jeff Garcia go to Cleveland. Never was heard from ever again. I do remember him playing with a broken nose versus the Chargers, I believe, in 2008 with Tampa Bay as well so we'll see how things go and also real quick um in regards to the question Casey says the Bears have the worst quarterback carousel right now between Trubisky and Foles and also Angel says have a draft lottery for the NFL seems like a good idea where Chardot will say the Niners have the worst quarterback carousel Isaiah we'll go back to you what he got for us
2: I want to address Furman Lee's uh comment that he made in our private chat. He just said, hey, Callan, as a 49ers fan, I'll trade Jimmy Garoppolo for Mitchell Trubisky. Deal? No way. No way. Trading Trading Jimmy Garoppolo for Trubisky? Are yes! you kidding? Yes! 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 Furman, I, I know you're upset over the loss, man, but... Relax, bro. Don't don't be making up foolish statements like that. Come on, man.
1: Hey, he has a good point though. At least Trubisky can run. He's a mobile quarterback. They try to use him like Tate, like uh Tyson Hill today in their game against New Orleans. Hey, I'll take anybody for Trubisky. Honestly, I would take I would can we just take the Niners quarterbacks and move them to Chicago when we can just do a swap that way with uh, Garoppolo Mullins to Chicago and you guys can have uh reliable foals and um uh mitchell whiskey i say yes who says no yes 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 just do i rather do lock Furman, by the way in the uh, uh Furman adds on again this is all privately folks amongst the host here he says uh jimmy g only runs uh, in circles if he can't find a pass Trubisky equals Matt Nagy's scapegoat admitted police count. The quarterback is always going to be Matt Nagy's uh, scapegoat, honestly. I've I've said that for the longest time. And also as well, uh, some more thoughts here about the quarterback carousel. Mm -hmm. Uh, Christy Wilson will, uh, well, first, Uh, Casey says, the Bears have been a joke for years, especially, you know, uh, honestly, I think their last good quarterback in my time watching Chicago Sexy Rex Grossman, baby, 2006 Super Bowl, losing to Indianapolis. was like the last good quarterback Chicago's had. He had to go through Cutler, Kyle Orton, uh, notably those two. And now you got Trubisky and also uh, Nick Foles. Uh, Christie will go with the Niners with the worst quarterback carousel. And also Angel says Chicago believe that Garoppolo could still bounce back. I mean, also his health, though, has got to be one very big issue, though, in my mind. Uh, and also, as well, James says, San Francisco is the worst. Bring back Elvis. Do it. Let's go ahead and do it. And also, uh, Casey to Isaiah. He says, Isaiah, I thought you wanted Jimmy G gone and go with Mullins. What happened? Isaiah probably had to sneeze or he's having tech problems. And also, Angel says, I wish the Niners would have drafted Aaron Rodgers. And also, uh, Casey says, maybe mm-hmm. the Bears need to get Steve Fuller. Long-time journeyman backup out of retirement as he was on the 85 team as the backup quarterback, who, who, by the way, I have to applaud because I have watched the Super Bowl Shuffle video quite honestly on repeat because the Bears lost, and I kind of relived the glory days of 85, even though I wasn't alive for 85. But Steve Fuller dropped a pretty good little rap line in the Super Bowl Shuffle song, actually, back in 85. I mean, McMahon could come back. I mean, I don't know who else could come back as good Chicago Bear quarterbacks. My goodness gracious. And also, you says, hey, Elvis did beat the Cowboys back in the 90 uh, back in 95. So if it's a good point. But Isaiah, uh, can you please address uh, please address your thoughts uh, again? uh, Because Casey kind of put you on the hot seat here. I thought he says, I thought you wanted uh, Jimmy G gone and to go with Mullins instead. What do you got for us here?
2: I do want Nick Mullins uh, as the 49ers starter. I don't know why there's like confusion about it. Like I've been wanting Nick Mullins to start for the San Francisco 49ers ever since what the beginning of this year, like, or towards the end of last year, actually I wanted Nick Mullins to start ever since the end of last season. So I don't know like um, about the whole confusion about me uh, not wanting Mullins. Oh, I think the, I think he's referring to what I said about Drew Locke, but Hey, if I wouldn't mind Drew Locke, but I mean, I'm just going with what we've got right now at quarterback. And I think the I think the best is Nick Mullins.
1: I still think we should just do a quarterback swap. We should take Trubisky and Foles and push them to San Francisco in return for Garoppolo and Mullins. I'd even take C.J. Beathard, if need be, for a third-string quarterback option because both these clubs are just in utter disarray with their quarterbacks. (laughs) A couple of thoughts more so, again, from Furman via the uh, host chat here. He says, Cowan Rex Grossman, OMG, I want to puke. Did you not see his game versus Arizona in 06? Committed six turnovers and they still won pretty much the same situation as Jimmy G last season. They are who we thought they were and we let them off the hook because we won that game uh, handily coming back with that uh, comeback against the uh, Cardinals and the very great ramp by the late, great Dennis Green. Um, Also, uh, James says, I wish the Raiders would have uh, traded for Aaron Rodgers. He also loved the Super Bowl shuffle back in '85. I. I thought it was great. I wasn't alive for it, but I watched the video. Like on loop post, the Bears losing the day on Sunday. Angel says at least uh, ninety-five was a uh, happy ending year for their, uh, for your Cowboys. Christy, lol, in regards to them winning the Super Bowl that season. But again, uh, let's just take the quarterbacks of the Niners and Bears and swap places. But again, folks, give us your thoughts here on the, the uh, subject of the hand again with sports. We already had asked the folks which quarterback carousel is the worst right now: the Niners with their woes or Chicago. Again, let us know. We'll have more about that as the show does progress uh, with that guys, speaking about Callen's bears losing in very dreadful fashion to new Orleans and OT today, 26, 23, but that guys is not the story that we're talking about here. Javon Weems pretty much back or breaks the back of Chicago's offense today with a very bonehead play that he was involved with that set off a firestorm of a brawl and scuffle actually between these two clubs today. Uh, for some reason, uh, don't uh, Still don't really quite know the whole reason behind this altercation. But, folks, uh, in this game, as mentioned, the Bears did lead, though, at one point, 10-3, 13-3. We're uh, tied at halftime, but we're losing, though, by 10 points late in the game, though. But Javon Weems, one of the Bears receivers, for some reason had a very physical battle going on with a New Orleans defensive player today. And then per WBBM, I was listening to the uh, the Bears broadcast today via the web, and the video that, of course, the service folks is Javon Weems running his route, running towards the guy he was mouthing off with, trying to rip something off of his neck or his fa- you know, his uh, facial area, and then just totally blast the guy with a right hand, throws another right hand, and sets off a major, or at least minor, scuffle and brawl between the, uh, the two clubs. And Weems, of course, gets tossed from the game for throwing... Uh, the two haymakers at the uh, Saints defensive player. And, John, I hear this on the radio. I see the Twitter reaction. It's like, what in the world are you doing in a game where it's been so close? You know, and, you, of course, you had a lead, though. But, John, this is just, you know, I think a this domain in my mind just adds on, though, to how Chicago has looked over these past two games, though, in regards to just bonehead play, bonehead play calling, and again, a very interesting and very weird quarterback issue here between Foles and Trubisky being used in a way, though, today as Tyson Hill has been used as kind of like that Swiss Army knife. But, John, to you, though, you know, I, I, I look at this game from so many different dynamics, though, about the Bears imploding, you know, pulling a Chargers, losing the game with after having a lead, but also a second half, you know, coming out the, out of halftime and giving up a terrible kickoff return into their own territory. Getting, you know, giving up 20 unanswered points, coming back though, but still losing. But Javon Weems's idiotically, pathetically stupid play, where again, he goes after a defensive player that he's been jawing with and, you know, pretty much having physical play with. But he goes over trust I think, per the radio broadcast, was trying to rip, you know, like rip a chain off the guy's neck. Then he throws two right, you know, two punches that sits off this, you know, this melee. And of course, he gets tossed in the game. Absolutely ridiculous, you know, play, though. I think is just kind of, in a way, haunted Chicago over the past two weeks. So, again, of a very bad offense and a lot of things just spiraling out of control with the Chicago team. Uh, John, give us your thoughts about the game, but more so, again, Javon Weems and his very idiotic ejection uh, on Sunday from Soldier Field. He should be released immediately.
3: When I, and, I, and I mean that wholeheartedly. I ne- I hope he doesn't do another starting in at all. Or on a practice squad. And I never say the better player, but this is the guy I mean about. When we talk about football here, folks, you cannot think with your emotions. And when you do think with your emotions on the field, it results in negative consequences. There is absolutely no reason to rip off his chain and then already hit him with your right hand twice to take do that so it you means you're already emotionally unable great young dude acting like a 12- year old this is what children do I work for children this is exactly what a child does when they're frustrated that's what is he is doing he should be released immediately. and the fact that there isn't conversation already about being a fine or be released it's, it's absolutely disgraceful because then it tells me what if they he doesn't game do they allow on the practice these are adult men. You better I get here, head out of here. You know what? Uh, we're just shine. That is unacceptable. And, dude, I hope you get released and never get a starting job in the NFL. You're emotionally unstable. When you're emotionally unstable on the field, it negatively affects your team. Imagine what's like a the locker room after the game. Imagine if I'm at a job and I start a tantrum, or I just, or I just oh, hit my boss or one of my cover. What do you think is going to happen? I'm gone, gone forever. That's exactly what happened to this guy. This guy is a coward on the field. He's immature. It's absolutely unacceptable. You want to act like a kid, go back to daycare, and while well, your day guy, this is ridiculous. Use no reason. I'm not gonna get too loud, so don't wake my parents, But there's <laughs> absolutely no reason to hit somebody. I advocate for passion on the field. That is on another level. That unacceptable, dude. You deserve to be 100% released and I hope you never get another job in the NFL because you're mostly unstable when your team already has a chance to win. Imagine your team behind and we do on the field. You deserve to not have another job in the NFL. Shame on you, you coward. Isaiah, you know,
1: I in a way kind of took your advice. I know we sh- probably shouldn't take your advice about, take- about picks and uh, stuff like that though. But in a way though, because of the schedule that was put forth uh, for Chicago, you had kind of talked about a very big uh, gauntlet of games for the Niners. And here, Chicago had a very huge three-game stretch. The Rams last Monday, they get walloped in L.A. by the Rams uh, on the road. They had New Orleans at home today. Then they're at Tennessee next Sunday. But Isaiah, like I probably had said, though, in my Twitter thread, though, the second half for the Bears became their self-destruct button because they had they let the opening kickoff get run back deep in their own territory they allow 20 unanswered points. They fall behind by 10. They, like I said, though they come back, though lose the game in overtime because Nick Foles and the offense is so vanilla; it's pathetically terrible to watch, or at least listen to via online radio. But then, though Javon Weems, who for one had some pretty, you know, awesome-looking scream uh, cleats uh, post Halloween, but then I get the fact though, and we had, you know, we had talked about this Isaiah on the Spectacular on Saturday. We saw this a bit, though, too, in the Baltimore-Pittsburgh game with Marcus Peters going after a player from uh, Pittsburgh as well. But then Javon Weems, J- he hits his own self-destruct button. And as mentioned, again, probably something was going on, you know, maybe some trash talk, maybe a bit of pushing and shoving. But again, the video, though, it's just so blatantly obvious that he literally goes after the defender from the Saints and attempts. I, they first thought he was trying to rip out his mouthpiece or a, a chain around his neck. And then he throws one solid right hand, you know, a you know, a punch to the like the jaw area. And the defenders like, did that really just happen? Then he throws one more punch again, and then more guys start coming in. And of course, he gets tossed in the game. Again, idiotic, pathetic, stupidly, you know, stupid play across the board and against Chicago. They cannot afford any more losses on offense. They had two more, uh, I think they had I think they had two more uh, offensive linemen go down with injury today. They're missing a lot of their other key cogs, though, but Isaiah. The Bears self-destructing, though, in the second half is what I think killed them, but more so, yeah, you can look at them, you know, falling behind or giving up 20-20 unanswered points, though. But Javon Weems doing this, though, just adds more to the, you know, adds more to this dumpster fire that has been the Bears for the past several weeks, dating back to last Monday. But Isaiah, you know, we had talked a lot, though, on Saturday about, you know, the brawl between Miami or uh, Missouri and Florida at the college level. We talked, uh, maybe he didn't talk a lot, but again, Marcus Peters had a bit of a run-in, though, with his own guy. Uh, on Pittsburgh in the Baltimore-Pittsburgh game. But Isaiah, uh, you know, honestly, man, you could probably could look at, you know, Foles' play, you know, the usual suspects of Nagy and Foles in the offense. But Javon Weems probably, I think, his play broke Chicago's back in the second half of his ball game in my opinion, today.
2: Callen. I get the second half was terrible for the Bears, but I don't – like forget the second half. The Bears self-destructed in overtime when they forced the Saints, I believe – was it a three and out or was they it like forced a, them to no. punt in
1: overtime, yes. Yes.
2: They forced them to punt on their first possession of overtime. The Bears get the football. I think Nick Foles uh, – either he scrambled or he threw a pass for 10 yards. They get the first down and then literal, and then they get stopped on a running play. And then on second down, Nick Foles throws a pass right into the arms of Anthony Miller and he just flat out drops it. That was terrible, man. I was screaming at the TV like I did with the Michael Hasty play. I was like, are you kidding me, Anthony Miller? You had that ball right in your arm. There was no defender in your grill. You, you have to make that catch and he doesn't make that catch and then on third down jimmy graham right across the middle foes fires a dime right to him it's right in his hand and he drops the football that's what killed the bears right there those two ridiculous drops if they if they don't drop those passes i believe the bears are still driving who knows what happens um after if they get the first down but that is what killed the bears drops Vanilla offense and that stupid, idiotic play by Javon Wims. And let me touch on this play. I watched uh, the tape of this play, and I got to agree with you and John. This guy needs to be released immediately. He does not deserve uh, to be on the Bears moving forward. It was such an idiotic, pathetic play. I don't even know what was going on in the mind of Jabon Wins. I mean, I heard people on Twitter say that, you know, um, he had some off-the-field beef with that Saints defender, and, you know, he wanted to settle it on the field. But – you if you watch it, right? The Saints defender is just minding his own business. He's just minding his own business. And Javon Wims, he's on like, I think he's like what? Uh, like he's like on like not on the opposite side, but he's like 15, like a yard. He's like a yard. Um, yeah, he's like a yard ahead or like not, yeah, he's like a yard ahead of the guy. And Javon Wims just comes running and then He just walks over and throws one of the weakest punches I have ever seen in my life. Like when he first did that, I was like, what are you doing, man? Are you trying to slap the guy's helmet? Like what is that? That was the weakest punch I've ever seen in my life. It was so pathetic. The guy was just minding his own business and you come over to try to cause trouble. This guy needs to be released immediately. He does not deserve to be on the Chicago Bears moving forward
1: uh to clarify folks the uh, defender that he had punched was uh saints db chauncey gardner jones is who he had punched again and uh stuff of that caliber but again it's you know i think it just magnifies guys the utter destruction the utter self-destruction of the chicago offense you know and i think though Isaiah's right though but you know the whims play though still holds weight but not as much though as isaiah had alluded to though again the drop passes by graham and miller you know miller you know and previously isaiah Miller was clutch, though, on fourth you know, on fourth down and eight when they were still driving. Allen Robinson had a very great game. David Montgomery had a great game today. And all that, though, in my mind, gets overshadowed, though, because you literally had, you know, uh, whims. Go and sucker punch this guy with, uh, on defense who's literally just standing there minding his own business. And, you know, he pretty much, you know, like ran a bit, stopped his route, ran over, tried to grab something around his neck or whatever, then he punches the guy. And again, that is what the... Uh, Uh, Story of the night is with the Bears, but again, uh, more so again, Chicago loses, but again, it's more so about wide receiver Javon Wims sucker punching uh, defensive back of the Saints Chauncey Gardner Jones twice uh, after trying to uh, uh, take something uh, either off of his helmet or off his neck, and uh, the whole thing escalates from there. A couple of thoughts here real quick about the situation at hand. Angel first says if he ends up being suspended, it'll hurt Chicago. But more so, I think it'll hurt, though. Maybe it does, maybe it doesn't, but just more so because the Bears had lost two more offensive linemen in the ballgame. And that they're also, uh, of course, short Tyree Cohen. Uh, Tyree Cohen, one of their main uh, running backs for the remainder of the season. Also, as well, um, Angel also wants to point out that the Bears have to still play. Minnesota and Green Bay twice. They better snap out of it if uh, snap out of it pronto. Of course, they're at Tennessee next Sunday from Nissan Stadium. And also, he asked, how many games do you think he misses via suspension? I would think maybe four at max. Four at max is what he would probably would miss. But it's probably gonna be like two or three, maybe one or two. But uh, I, I think I agree with John and Isaiah that he probably should not see time anymore at this time um on the roster and also angel says first punch i thought whims and gardner were just messing up the second punch bye thanks for playing definitely agree uh because i think more so for me it's more so about the fact he tried he grabbed the guy's neck or you know grabbed in the area of that kind of becoming more of a flagrant maybe a instigation part Where probably you know in in hockey they penalize the guy that starts the fight as they call it as they call it instigating the you know getting the fight pretty much, you know, and kind of in this way, grabbing around the guy's, you know, f- uh, face mask or grabbing by his neck. That definitely, I think, should be warranted for one suspension or at least one game suspension. Then the two punches could be two or three games at tops. And also, Casey says that he does not see the Bears making the posting With how the uh, offenses look, with the play calling, with Matt Nagy in the, in the uh, uh, quarterback, definitely don't see my Bears making it either as well at this rate again. Biggest pretenders in the NFL, Chicago. Yeah, big pretenders. I've, I've said that for a lot of so far in the season, so uh, I am definitely not drinking the uh, Chicago Kool-Aid right now at this juncture. Uh, with that, Isaiah, we'll get to some quick baseball news, of course, man. for started, He uh, started on Sunday, um, of course, as, again, guys are uh, having the chance to uh, sign qualifying offers. With so the big news, though, Isaiah, it is Giancarlo Stanton of the Yankees uh, opting back into his player option for next season. Isaiah, you know, the Yankees are a great ball club and all, man, but sadly – always beat up by the injury bug, only to Stanton and, of course, Aaron Judge. Isaiah, what do you make about Stanton, uh, Stanton opting back in for next season with that huge salary he's getting paid by the Yankees to hopefully play a full season next year?
2: I think it was a no-brainer because, um, first of all, the Yankees are, are one of the best teams in baseball. They have a stacked pitching staff. They got a stacked lineup. And, you know, when they're healthy and you know when they're playing well the Yankees are I believe one of the top yeah as I said one of the top two teams in all of or one of the top four teams in all of baseball um and you know it's a no-brainer because you know Giancarlo Stanton if he wants to win he's definitely got to stick with the Yankees and secondly um how much is he making on the uh option Callan? is it like 20 million or something like that
1: I believe so yes
2: yeah he's you know with the Given the uncertain financial – um, like the financial stuff that is going on with COVID and, you know, MLB teams seeing like millions and billions of money being lost due to no fans this year and no revenue being – or no revenue coming in, I just couldn't see John Carlos Stanton getting like more money uh, from – uh, from any other team other than the, the Yankees uh, on that option. So I think it was a no-brainer that he opted in.
1: Yeah, no-brainer no, no brainer for sure. Again, folks, baseball looking at $8 billion in debt and also $3 billion of lost revenue for regular season games with no fans being allowed inside of ballparks this year, as we already have talked about plenty of times here, Isaiah, at this juncture. Some thoughts here, guys. Uh, James uh, with a great point. He's not stupid. Ha-ha, definitely agree. Um, Casey King says Yankees need more pitching and rotation. Not surprised. Stand off to stay. Isaiah from James, where do you see Trevor Bauer going?
2: Ooh, that, that is tough. Um, I, I honestly see him going to whoever throws him, like, the most money. Like, I think – because I don't really know right now who's going to spend and who's not going to spend. You've already seen teams cut a bunch of players. The Indians just last week, they waved Brad Hand. uh The Phillies, they waved a bunch of relievers. They didn't give DD Gregorius a qualifying offer, which was very surprising. The A's Agreed. didn't um, – Yeah, the A's didn't give Liam Hendricks or Marcus Simeon a qualifying offer. So I honestly think that um, this winter is going to be a very harsh winter in baseball in terms of the offseason because a lot of teams, like, you already have seen a lot of teams in a normal offseason that don't spend money to improve their ball clubs. You're going to see even more teams now with no revenue coming in. And in fact, teams losing money because of no revenue coming in. So, Uh, Right now, it's hard to say, but if I have to say one team, uh, I'd probably go with the Yankees because they have James Paxton, who's a free agent. Masahiro Tanaka is a free agent. Plus, the Yankees always throw out money each and every year like it's candy. So uh, I'll go with the Yankees as of
1: right now. I would go with New York because Casey has a very great point, though, that they need pitching in the rotations already mentioned, though. But again, with James and his question. I agree, though, about this, you know, and I think Jeff Passan actually had a very great point, though, Isaiah and James and company, was that don't expect this to be a very big, you know, like opening day like you see in the NFL or the NBA with, with you know, guys signing contracts right away, though, because, again, the financial ramifications of the season this year, again, no fans, no spectators, you know, no fans, $3 billion in lost revenue, you know, $8 billion in debt. But to be frank, no bias here. But, James, I'd go with San Diego, not because of the bias or with me living here. But you if you look at that, look at how this ball club is set up right now with how their rotation had looked, though, with the injuries to Lamette and Clevenger. You already have, you know, Bauer and Clevenger already have chemistry and a friendship already from their time in Cleveland. But the Padres, you know, they have become like the new, you know, not really new, but pretty much a ball club now that is in a similar Spot like Tampa and Miami and Toronto that is now spending money again. Like I said though, you know, plenty of times on here, you know, the fact that the deadline issue was not New York and Boston and Chicago or LA, but San Diego, Miami, Toronto getting those those uh, those guys in. I definitely though could see the Padres getting Bauer because prior history already there with with Clevenger, with their time in Cleveland. But also, San Diego needs another arm, though, because you can't rely at this rate right now on Chris Paddock to be at his best. I don't really think that he can trust, you know, anyone else, minus Clevenger or LeMet, they're both fully healthy by 2021 and by a spring training course. Still no word, though, about Clevenger's health right now. But I would not rule out Clevenger, to, you know, rule, but I could see San Diego being that bulk of the game. Folks, take the bias away, though. But just generally speaking, again, with how you saw this Padre rotation, that had been good pretty much all year up until the last week of the season with LeMet's injury, Clevenger's injury in the middle of the playoffs, too, and, of course, in game one. But I do think, though, that Bauer to San Diego, for one, gives them three legitimate bona fide aces in their hand with Bauer, Clevenger, LeMet again, mainly just, though, again, I know the question marks that you probably have, though, about the health, though, with uh, Clevenger and Lamette, and then also Paddock could be a four, Zach Davies has a five, that I think, as it probably works out in my mind, other teams I can probably see at this juncture. New York probably stands out, and maybe I, you know, call me crazy, but you know, maybe the Angels, you know, because we know they're very uh, st- that they're very thirsty for rot- for pitching. But again, though, will Artie Marino, uh, but will Artie Marino sp- spend the money the right way for a change? I highly doubt it. It's probably going to be another offensive bet that they don't need in a very good, you know, very great lineup. But again, very poor pitching in Anaheim right now. But I would probably think it'd be San Diego as my top spot. The Yankees are probably very close, though. But, again, that's where I see uh, Trevor Bauer going. Some thoughts here. Uh, Casey uh, says, of course, he's going to go with his Dodgers. Uh, He wants to be in California. He would give the Dodgers a rotational boost. At the same time, though, I don't know, though, if, you know, if Bauer, much like Rendon, probably was he a guy that wants to be a part of, you know, an already good uh, ball club. I I don't see, you know, not because the Dodgers won the whole thing, though, but I just don't know, though, if some guys – like that type of pressure, being in that type of a market. You know, Rendon, you know, turned down the Dodgers to go play in Anaheim because he wasn't about that Hollywood lifestyle. You know, some guys, believe it or not, folks, some guys don't do well in those types of markets where you have such high expectations. Go to a place like San Diego. Go to a place like Miami again. No pressure. Great city, great fan base. I mean, it's probably, Casey, it could happen. I just personally, not to to hate on the Dodgers, I just don't see it happening. Because some guys don't want to live up to those expectations of playing in New York, in Boston, in LA, in Chicago, in baseball. In baseball terms, more so a, a smaller market, in my mind, works best for uh, Bauer. But more so, Casey, you're on to a good point, though. Uh, uh, a good point here, though, that the Dodgers need a closer. Maybe get the H from San Diego. Fine and Danny with me. Trevor Rosenthal is probably going to be the answer for San Diego. But also, as mentioned, uh, Yates' health, though, also becomes a very big question, though, too. Again, he was out for the majority of the year dealing with a bicep uh, issue um, in my mind as well. And also, uh, Angel says, I could see the Padres for Bowers a backup plan if Clevenger is, in fact, still hurt. Uh, and I think not just because of the injury, Angel, I more so see Bauer to be the third, you know, the, you know, the third, you know, the, uh, the third man in line here. Because if you're trying to win the NL West and beat the Dodgers, you know, you have to go through Tershaw, Bueller, and maybe a third arm like a Urias or a Gonsolin. You need that third arm to, you know, to stabilize your roster. Yeah, you have Clevenger and Lamette. But after that, it's either Davies, it's Paddock, you know, maybe it's another bullpen arm somewhere uh, that's been able to fill in, though. But I think that Bauer would be a better fit in San Diego to be a, you know, be a part of that, the uh, the three-headed monster in my mind, James agrees with me though, saying that it makes sense about Bauer going to San Diego, maybe just for a one-year deal. I mean, it could be a one-year deal. I mean, it's more so. I think more so that's uh, that's that is logical in my mind, Isaiah, because as mentioned again, the money being a very big talking point uh, so far on the season. Casey agrees with the Angels. Uh, Angels need uh, pitching the most. Definitely agree, and also he says that the Angels and Padre fans are fighting on Twitter for Bauer. Well, at least that the Padres and Angels only play each other once every three years. But of course, it's happening in back to back years. And we'll see how things are going. And also, James has a very good comparison, Isaiah. Zach Granke hates playing in big cities, KC, Anaheim, LA for a bit, now in Houston. Definitely agree. And also, real quick, um, uh, Casey has a very valid point, though. Don't forget about David Price and getting out there because of COVID concerns, though. Could be at next year for the Dodgers as he is still under contract. So, so in my mind, that makes Bauer to San Diego more logical because if you have Price coming back, that would be the third bona fide ace in the Dodgers uh, Dodgers rotation. You and then the Potters would have to get that third guy to really, I think, um, you know, uh, would you know that I think just makes it more logical for the Potters to go out and get Bauer. And Angel agrees with my uh, sentiments here. Bauer would just be lost in the LA shuffle. If, in fact, uh, Price comes back. I mean, you're talking about a four-man rotation of Kershaw, Bueller, Price, and then Bauer. I mean, that's – and especially with all the money still being uh, somewhat uh, on their payroll as well. Isaiah, last topic for the night, though, buddy, uh, um, involves you and, of course, your Phillies, though, again, as Andy McPhail announces he's not going to return next season. Isaiah, we'll let you close out the segments here. Give us your thoughts here as time moves on with the Phillies hopefully getting on uh, back to uh, regular or back on their feet after uh, two very dismal years with Bryce Harper on their roster?
2: Uh, My reaction to this is good. I mean, I think he should have been gone this season. I don't even know why he's waiting until – next year to step down if I were the Phillies owner I would have fired him after this season because you've been in charge now for five years and you yes you signed Bryce Harper you have JT Real Mutual you have a lot of uh, star players on your baseball team and yet you haven't made the playoffs in any of the five years you've been in charge as president of baseball operations and for the Phillies they should have fired the President, along with the GM, instead of just firing the GM, because if you want to go get a guy like a Theo Epstein, or um, I'm just throwing out there like uh, the. Eric Neander, the Rays GM, you want to get some big time executive like them. They're not going to come just for like the GM title. You're going to have to give them the president of baseball operations title and and probably a lot of money. And I mean, Andy McPhail, his press conference on Friday that I listened to, like I was not even impressed at all by it. Like he said, oh, the reason why the Phillies, um. One of the like yeah, one of the things he said with the Phillies, the reason why we didn't win this year was because uh COVID really impacted our uh finance like our financial uh stuff and you know we couldn't uh go out there and add quality relievers. Like I'm just like, come on, man, like every team is dealing with this. You're not the only team that is dealing with this. Stop making excuses and put a better ball club on the field. It's just so infuriating as a Phillies fan to have to listen to this fool always talk and you know I just have no action. It's just so pathetic, man. Like he needs to be gone. Um, And I wish
1: he would just step down uh, like right now instead of next season. Some thoughts here. Casey King agrees that the Phillies need more pitching. And Angel says that Bauer could go to Philadelphia. I mean, if he's not going to San Diego, I think the Phillies would be another good spot. Uh, But again, though, at the same time, though, guys pitching under pressure, uh, market being a very big talking point. Definitely agree. Isaiah, back to you to finish up your thought. What do you got for us? And also
2: what's even more embarrassing is that Andy McPhail in his uh, press conference this Friday also said that the Phillies are most likely not going to spend a lot of money to improve their ball club because of COVID concerns. So we are going to be stuck with either mediocrity or losing for another year because the Phillies, they just they they need to spend to improve. Uh, this team, especially the bullpen, which was terrible last season, and they're not going to do it now because of COVID reasons, but it just really infuriated me.
1: Yeah, it is what it is, Sally, at the end of the day there. And uh, Casey agrees, but begs to differ. They do need pitching. They do uh, they do need pitching, but Bauer probably does not want to go there as he would probably be afraid he would get run out of town like other notable Philadelphia athletes, again, with how the fan base is in Philadelphia. Uh, and uh, Casey to further rein, uh, to further reign on, on Isaiah's parade. The Braves will own the NL East for the next few years, much like they did back in the 90s. Definitely agree at this juncture. Uh, also, Chardol has one thought, Isaiah. If they hire Jeff Lou now, <laughs> then you will sell all your Phillies baseball gear and you will stop being a loyal Phillies fan. Is he right on this or no?
2: Put the camera on me. Put the, to all of the producers of this show, put the camera on me right now. John Middleton, I'm going to look directly at you right now. If you hire that cheater, Jeff now to be the president of baseball operations for the Phillies or even the GM, I will no longer be a Phillies fan. I will disown the Philadelphia Phillies, a team that I have been a fan of ever since I started following baseball back in 2008 when I was growing up in Hawaii and there was Phillies games every single weekend. I will disown This team, if you hire that cheater, Jeff Lunau, because you hiring Jeff Lunau, you're sending a strong and clear message to the rest of the nation that you don't care about cheating. That it's okay for cheating to be allowed in your organization. And I will not have it one bit. So you hire Jeff Lunau, I guarantee you will see a, Huge fire pit in front of my front yard with Philly's gear burning in it.
1: Or not. Find it on eBay. Very, very soon from Mr. Leung. And also, Christy agrees that the Philly fans will riot if they hire that cheating bum. Definitely agree. Of course, Philadelphia. Uh, Don't want to mess with those people there. You know, uh, Ted Leitner, my idol here in San Diego, said it best, though, uh, when he worked in Philly. It's life and death back in Philadelphia. Phillies, Flyers, Sixers, Eagles, that is it. No more, no less with that city. Uh, with that in mind, guys, we'll I move on over and wrap things up for the night with tonight's final thoughts. All right, folks, time to wrap up All tonight right here folks. on the night shift here this evening on this Sunday, November the 1st, 2020. Isaiah, we'll go over to you for your final thoughts for tonight's show. What do you got?
2: Well, before I get into my final thoughts, I just want to thank the viewers for tuning into tonight's program. Shardot Gupta, Christy Wilson, Casey King, Angel. Um, let's see, any more? Oh, James Gonzalez. Uh... Sorry, folks, bear bear with me. I'm trying to go through this comment section. There's a lot of comments and trying to see if I missed anybody. Uh, let's see. Uh, I believe it's everybody again. Yeah, I believe. Oh, David Tito Rivera as well. Um, thank you guys so much for tuning in. And, you know, thank you guys for all the love and support that you guys give us each and every day. We really, really appreciate it. Make sure you guys tune in tomorrow as as. The MI6 Sports Network brings you the first annual Decision 2020. We, you, you guys, the fans, yes, you the fans will be electing who is the king of sports debating. Make sure you guys tune in for that. Grab your popcorn, grab your cookies, grab your pina coladas, and tune in and vote, vote, vote. I can't wait for that show tomorrow, but my final thoughts in th- is this Callen do we have the breaking news segment all right I'm going to end this show with breaking news and it comes out of Boston that Alex Cora the disgraced Former manager of the Boston Red Sox, who got fired because of his uh, involvement in the Astros cheating scandal when he was the bench coach back with Houston Astros, he is most likely going to be hired as the new. Uh, Boston Red Sox manager or rehired actually as the new Boston Red Sox manager he's going to get his old job back most likely um, and the announcement could come as soon as this upcoming week Uh, my quick thoughts on it is I just think it's disgraceful Alex Cora cheated not once but twice and uh, you're not like you're not even gonna like separate yourself from him you're gonna just you know fire him after and then one year later give him his job right back it just sends a terrible message to the kids out there that hey you know cheating is okay we don't care we just want to win so that's my uh, final thoughts but Callen is gonna have more on the election theme show we got for tomorrow but make sure you guys tune in for that
1: should be a good one we'll go back to uh, go over to John now John you know what are your final thoughts to pass along for tonight's program
3: Chicago's in trouble. Nick Foles is going to be... It's not just me dogging on your uh, Bears calendar. It's just people who've overvalued Nick Foles. he had a perfect system with the Eagles. I'm glad the Broncos won. There's still a lot to focus on. Of course, the 49ers, the NFC, is going to have a lot of things happening, lack of a better word, this offseason. And if nobody cares about cheating, then Screw it, let's just hire anybody in baseball. I mean, this is, I mean, I don't know much about baseball, but I know about 100% about that scandal. And cheating is not okay. I don't care how much money or fame you have. And lastly, that uh, Bears player, if there's no punishment, you're sticking a middle finger to all Chicago Bears fans because you're saying that it is okay to throw what he did and have no consequences other than that though cowboys how about them how about
1: them cowboys (laughs) between that and chicago going down in flames today my goodness gracious my final thoughts folks as mentioned uh as a reminder again folks but the debate style show mi6 sports networks decision 2020 featuring isaiah leung john mathis and i believe martin garcia is being our independent uh, or our third man in for the program. But of course, folks, here is that trailer for you folks for tomorrow's program.
2: <laughs> and ladies and gentlemen, I know the consensus pick is the Kansas City Chiefs. I know they have the best quarterback in the NFL. I know they have the best coach in the NFL and Andy Reid. I know they just want a Super Bowl, but I don't care. I am going with the Denver Broncos. Thanks, well, Broncos. Um, the club was functioning for hundred eight years. Well, the Pittsburgh Pirates, they don't ever win the World Series or get to the playoffs. I don't care. This team got to the playoffs eight straight years, winning NL West for eight years, and they still have not casted to win the freaking World Series. And part of the reason is because Titans' in inning, and then you have crap like this happening in a day when it
1: that is right folks decision 2020 isaiah leung john mathis martin garcia moderated by yours truly coming up on monday at 7 30 p.m pacific time should be a great show again we will be debating all the big sports headlines and sports stories of the day, but more so, again, in an election-style program where, again, you, the voters, get a chance to vote about who wins. And by the end of the night, we will crown our 2020 King of Debate for the MI6 Sports Network. And Isaiah is already begging for votes, but we'll see how things go on Monday. Isaiah, what do you got for us, man?
2: I got one final thing to add about the election theme show. We promise you, the viewers, that this... Election themed debate show will be a hundred times way better than the crap show that we witnessed that was called the presidential debate. So please tune in.
1: We'll see how it goes, folks. And it probably will be one of the best programs, maybe, in network history. We'll see how things go. But again, folks, Isaiah Leung, John Mathis, Martin Garcia joining us at 7 30 p.m. on uh, Monday night to again do the election style show. We'll be working on all the uh, stuff, folks, as time moves on. And uh, it's going to be a very fun night on Monday for a special WST. But again, Decision 2020, again, with uh, Isaiah, John Mathis, and Martin Garcia. With that, folks, the entire cast and crew here for Isaiah LeYoung and John Alcorn, my name is Cal McClurg saying goodnight here from San Diego. Have a great rest of your night, folks. We'll see you back here. Again, folks, on Monday for the MI6 Decision 2020 program, Again, with Isaiah, John uh, Mathis, and Martin Garcia for our uh, debate-style uh, program here on the six. Until Monday, folks, have a good rest of your night. Take care, stay safe, and stay healthy, and so long. See you folks on Monday. Till next time, bye-bye.